Hi, my name is Barry Sterling Mitchell. Today is March 29th, 2023, and this is Ben and Barry on football. Hello out there. This is Ben Dickerson. I'm your co-host. One of the great things about the NFL is there is no offseason. Even during the offseason, there's no offseason. Something's always going on. We just had the annual league meetings. Some people call them the owners' meetings because the owners are all there, but all the head coaches are also there. A lot of stuff going on. And I'm still in a draft frenzy. So let's get going. So much to talk about. There's the football games during the season, but also concurrent with the season and well into the offseason are the other games that are being played, the management games, the owner games, the, the talking game. Who was it? One of the guys on TV calls it the lie, lying season. It's <laughs> exactly what it is. You know, um, and you're listening to these guys. So you're going to do another draft, right? Yes, sir. Mock draft 2.0 coming up. Mock draft 2.0. If, if, and again, it's my responsibility to remind people that this has been a Barry on football. Please hit the subscribe button and the notification bell. And go back and check out last week's show where he had Mock Draft 1.0. Yeah, I learned a few things. I learned a few things on that. Um, so we're going to do, what is this, 1.1 or 2.0? How, how do you calculate? I'm going to call this 2.0. 2.0, okay. So this is 2.0. Uh, and then I'm going to just offer a little something, Ben. Um, right now, the two biggest contracts in the NFL that are in a flux or undecided status, I would have to say is Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson. So I just decided, I said, well, let's, let's just look at these two guys. Because even in terms of the style of football they play, they represent different factions big time, you know? And I wanted to go back and look at them. And, you know, I'm a Madden guy, so I wanted to kind of look and see, okay, let's see what the Madden numbers are. Because, again, the Madden numbers are, they look at them from like a speed or strength or those types of things, those physical attributes that they attempt to put a number in. And, again, everything being relative, you know, um, but then I also went and looked at pro football focus and they have a different methodology for how they rank, you know, these players and, and, and things of that nature. So I have both of them that we're going to take a quick look at. The, the Madden thing is obviously fun, uh, but it gets real serious with their pro football focus because I suspect that when the owners and the agents, whoever are getting ready to, to look into a, a, a player, that that's one of the things that they look at. They, they might use that as a reference too, you know? So if pro football focus is breaking this player down and saying, you know, they're strong here, they're weak there, you know, um, that's probably something that gets thrown into the, the calculations, you know? So, uh, I'm pretty sure that any anything that Pro Football Focus has, these individual teams have at their uh, fingertips also. Well, you 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 might be right. Um, I just don't I'm sure know I'm right. all formatted in the same way. 
But, you know, they get that information from the NFL, you know, and then they have their own way of looking at it. Like their expected points added calculation, that's not an NFL calculation. That's a preferred football. But is that something that you think an NFL owner or GM would be interested in? Why not? Why not? You know, if it's if it's considered, you know, a, a um a viable source of information, why not? But we'll look at it, you know, and then you know that'll be something that we can always um do more investigation as to how much that gets calculated in. We know that the football teams themselves, they have rooms of, you know, uh people that's all they do uh is the calculations and the things of that nature. We talk about how that fits into the game that also goes into the we talked about the young sister who was it who was she with tampa bay who was in charge of personnel she was doing all the contracts and all of that kind of stuff you know what i mean so we know that that there's a certain um amount of intelligence that you know the teams have um so we'll see we'll see uh and then naturally we go from there and we finish out with the current events at our uh, ben and Barry on football Facebook page. All right. So without further ado, the Ben Dickerson 2023 NFL mock draft 2.0. <laughs> okay. Now, before I get started, I just want to do the same thing that I did last week. Let everybody know this is my personal mock draft. Anything that looks similar to the players that I picked and the teams that I designated them to, to Daniel Jeremiah, Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, or anybody else is purely, purely coincidental. Simply means that when it comes to that player and it comes to that team, I'm thinking just like they are. But I'm sure I'm going to have a lot of differences from them, and we'll see how different and how well I did when the draft actually takes place. But for now, we're doing the first round of the 2023 draft. I'm mostly making my decisions on need, not necessarily a team thinking about taking the best player available at that spot. Although sometimes teams do do that, I'm focused on need. So uh, let's start it off. Oh, and by the way, Some of the players that I'm picking and the teams that I'm picking them for will be the same as they were on 1.0. I'll let you know that, and I won't give you a long dissertation on each one of those players, but I'll let you know that 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 guy pretty much stayed the same where he was. That's the Carolina Panthers picking with the number one pick overall in the draft, sticking with QB, C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State. Uh, Again, Frank Reich is the head coach now with Carolina. He has always preferred pocket passers. He's had Andrew Luck. He's had Phillip Rivers. He's had Matt Ryan. He's had a couple other quarterbacks that I don't care to mention. Stroud is the best in the draft class as far as I'm concerned. Very strong pocket skills, but also has the mobility to escape the pocket if necessary, and he can punish defenses with his legs. But he is, without a doubt, pretty much a classic pocket passer who moves very well in the pocket. The number two pick overall goes to the Houston Texans. I'm going to stick with my pick there, and that would be QB Bryce Young. Bryce Young out of Alabama, 5'10", and a very generous 204 pounds. 
the Texans won't worry about his size because he is probably the most intelligent quarterback in this draft class. He is a proven leader. He plays extremely well under pressure, and he processes plays on an elite level. The number three pick goes to the Arizona Cardinals. I'm going to stick with my original pick there and stick with edge rusher Will Anderson Jr. And Will Anderson Jr. is out of Alabama. He's got great size and pretty good speed, 6'3", 253. Uh, the head coach with the Arizona Cardinals is now Rich Gannon. Rich Gannon was formerly the defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles, who were just in the Super Bowl this past season. So he knows the importance of having a great pass rusher. Anderson has the potential to be a dynamic day one starter. So that's why I think he's going to go over there to Arizona. The number four pick. Uh, this one's a little sticky. I don't want to get too crazy about this, but I will say this. In 1.0, the pick for the Indianapolis Colts, I said QB well, Will Levis. I am changing that to quarterback Anthony Richardson, kind of for the same reason that I mentioned the head coach, Rich Gannon, for the Arizona Cardinals. I must now mention the new head coach for the Indianapolis Colts, which is Shane Steichen. That eluded me, that fact eluded me last week when I picked Will Levis to go to this team. Shane Steichen was the offensive coordinator for the Eagles and had one Jalen Hurts. Why would he go from a Jalen Hurts type offense that he likes to run to an offense he would have to put in for Will Levis when he can get quarterback Anthony Richardson out of Florida? A super freak athlete, 6'4", 244, 4'4", 340-yard dash. Kind of sounds like Jalen Hurts, doesn't it? I think Richardson fits in there better with the Indianapolis Colts. Now, here's an asterisk, and I'm going to try to say this really fast. Because when this happens, everybody's going to remember that I told him first. Now, I know you've been hearing things about the Colts maybe trying to get Lamar Jackson. This makes a lot of sense to me, and I think the Colts are going to make a run at him. Now, whether or not the Ravens will actually make a trade with the Colts, I don't know. Uh, they put that unexclusive, I'm probably saying that word wrong, uh, franchise tag non on Lamar. Unexclusive? None. Non, I'm sorry, not exclusive. But, you know, he hasn't signed that, okay? So it can't really go into effect unless he signs it. But anyway. Yeah, and um, I looked it up. I forget off the top of my head, but there's a date that he's going to have to sign that thing by. or he's Right, there is a deadline on that. But as of anybody. now, he hasn't signed it. And the fact that he has also let it be known that before they actually tagged him, he did go to them and ask for a trade. So they knew before they put the tag on him that he didn't want to be there anymore. If they were to wait a minute, wait a minute. He, I just want to make sure I understand what you're saying because my yeah. understanding was that he asked for the tag after they put the no, he, he asked, asked for, for the trade. trade after they put the tag on him. I think he asked for the trade before they put the tag on. They okay. knew he didn't want to be there. They put the tag on him anyway, and. Well, the bottom the bottom line is, if in fact they are willing to trade, then this number four pick would go to the Ravens. Lamar Jackson would go to the Colts, and then the Ravens would take Anthony Richardson. 
So when that happens, just remember I told you, okay? We're gonna move. That, on. You know that that <laughs> sounds that sounds very plausible. I'll mention um, because I I do have a list here of projected twenty twenty three cap space for teams that would need to be freed up to acquire Lamar Jackson's thirty two million dollar franchise tag. Mm -hmm. And the lowest two that would have to free up any money are the, the Falcons at $11 million. That's all they would have to free up to be able to uh, to afford Lamar. And mm -hmm. they, they their owner already pretty much said no. Um, and the Which Colts, means nothing. <laughs> well, you know, that, that's true to some to a large degree. Uh, and the Colts, uh, so Falcons $11 million, Colts $12 million. So they only have to clear $12 million in cap space in order to afford Lamar's $32.4 million franchise. Correct. Now, the question is, is Lamar going to play for anybody for $32 million? If he, oh, almost knocked my computer over. If he does not want to be with the Ravens anymore, I say possibly yes. Why would he play for somebody else? I mean, we'll talk a little bit more about no, it. Well, okay, well, go ahead. Go ahead. First I'm of all, if they trade him. I don't want to go off of your, this is your time to go through your names and stuff. Yeah, if they, if they, here's the thing. If the if they, if they the Colts get him in a trade, they can, whenever they want to, renegotiate his contract. Okay. They can change it whenever they want once he's theirs. Okay. Right? So they can give him more. Number five pick in the draft goes to Seattle Seahawks. Edge rusher Tyree Wilson is the pick for those guys. He's out of Texas Tech. Uh, he's had a career year um, last season in college, which goes great with uh, the career year that re-signed quarterback Geno Smith had. His dynamic duo of pass receivers, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, are still there. And he's got a rising son. A rising sun, a rising star, Kenny Walker the third at running back, a guy I know you like a lot. Uh, that takes care of the offense. So a big-time pass rusher is just what they need. I think he fits the bill there. The number six pick goes to the Detroit Lions. They will take D-tackle Jalen Carter, as I said before. He's got some problems off-field, but he's getting them straightened out. A talent like him is too good for Detroit to let go by. Um, I don't think they will. Even though he didn't have a great pro day, pro day, I think that uh, the word is on him that one game day he gives everything he's got and he's a dynamic player. Plus, they can put him next to rookie sensation from last year, Aiden Hutchinson, who's their edge rusher there. Put him inside a D tackle inside of Hutchinson, and that improves their D line immensely. And we know how much uh, help they need on defense. The number six, seven pick in the draft goes to Las Vegas. They'll take uh, D-tackle Kalaja Kansi. That's going to remain the same. Kansi ran a nice 40-yard dash, a 6-7, a 4-6-7, which is really good for a guy that weighs 281 pounds. He's getting a lot of comparisons to Aaron Donald, and I know you sent me something today about some of these comparisons. I think they were quarterbacks. Some of them might sound crazy, but you never know. Of course, we won't. nobody will know until we actually see these guys suit up for an NFL team and actually get on the field and play. But sometimes the comparisons do pan out. Sometimes they don't. At the number eight pick, that pick belongs to the Atlanta Falcons. I believe they will still go with Nolan Smith out of Georgia. 
Uh, he's a little bit undersized at 6'2", 238, but he actually excels against the run. How crazy is that? I think he's very adept at slipping tackles, and he's a physical freak who had combine numbers that were worthy of a wide receiver. And also just, you know, even on tape, you can see how good this kid is. The number nine pick goes to the Chicago Bears. Originally, I had them taking defensive tackle Brian Reese, who's an edge rusher. No, he was D-tackle. I think I'm going to change that. I'm going to give them edge rusher B.J. Ojolari out of LSU. This guy's 6'2". He's 248. Uh, he wasn't in my first. I don't even remember why I didn't have him in my first one. I know I saw his name, but the bottom line is he's too good for Chicago to pass up. He has multiple pass rush moves, uses his hands really, really well. Um, maybe the best pass rush moves or more pass rush moves than anybody else in this class. And he's really young. Now, when we talk about college players coming into draft, we think they're all young. This guy won't turn 21 until next month. So he's a little bit younger than most of these other guys coming in at there with like 22, 23. The number 10 pick for the Philadelphia Eagles, I had them originally taking cornerback Devin Witherspoon. Instead, and this kind of comes along with a little bit more research I did and listening to some guys on talk radio, I kind of forgot the troubles that they're going to have in their secondary at the safety position. They brought back both corners. So I'm not saying they couldn't use another corner, but why not take one of the best safeties in the class? That would be Brian Branch out of Alabama. He's six feet tall, 190 pounds. And although I had the Eagles taking possibly the best cover corner in the draft, they need safety help. And Branch is smart. He seldom makes mistakes in coverage. He's a superior tackle, which is very important at safety. And he has experience playing slot corner. So he can play the slot guy in the nickel defense or, or, or you know, when, when teams go with three, four wides, or he can play traditional safety. So I think that'll be a better pick for the Eagles at number 10. At number 11, the Tennessee Titans. I'm going to have them stick with the offensive guard. That's Peter Skaronsky out of Northwestern, 6'4", 313, uh, really good blocker. Started at left tackle for three years in college. He's got really great feet. He's an elite pass protector. He has the smarts and the physical ability to also play guard. So it depends. I know they lost a couple of linemen, I think, but I believe they picked up some linemen in free agency also. So he can probably plug and play him, either a tackle or a guard. Um, did he 12. have a, uh, a relative, a grandfather, or somebody that played in the league? I know he was. I heard them talking about carrying on the Skaronsky name. <laughs> That's possible. Uh, I would have to check that though. That okay. didn't come out in my research. Uh, the number one, the number twelve pick, again goes to the Houston Texans. At this point, these guys got to figure out how to get some points on the board. They're obviously going to take a quarterback with their first pick. So why not give him a dynamic wide receiver to go along with him? So I'm going to stick with the guy I picked in my mock draft 1.0 and go with Quentin Johnston. And 
the the, the big deal with that is he's a really big receiver. He's got a 6'10 wingspan, which makes for a huge catch radius. He's very explosive. He gets in and out of his breaks very well. And that's tough to do for a guy his size, 6'3", 208. Uh, the most impressive thing about him is after the catch. Now, here's an interesting note for you, Barry. I know you like this kind of stuff. Quentin Johnston had 45 broken tackles on 115 career college catches. Debo Samuels had 40 broken tackles in 148 career college receptions. And we know what a monster, a yak monster that Debo is, okay? This guy had more broken tackles on less catches than Debo had. Wow. So there's that's there's a weird a, stat, you know, broken and tackles a weird stat, catches. But when we talk about comparisons, that's the kind of stuff I look for. Not because the guy's the same height or the same speed or whatever, but that kind of stuff. Okay. At the number 13 pick, we're looking at the Green Bay Packers. And I'm saying this because I expect the Aaron Rodgers trade to go through. Okay. Because this is the first pick that the Jets had in the first round. However, I heard, and of course we talk about this being lion season, but I heard that the GM from Green Bay had said it may not necessarily take a first round pick for us to go through with this trade. So I don't know what's holding this thing up, okay? But assuming that they do spend the first round pick in the trade and Green Bay gets the pick, I think Green Bay will take D-tackle Lucas Van Ness. Lucas Van Ness comes from Ohio. He's 6'5", 272, classic size for D-tackle. He's got size, strength, and he projects as an elite run stopper in the NFL. Also, he has great versatility as he was equally adept at playing inside as a traditional D-tackle and also outside coming out of a two-point stance. Now, he's tall. He's 6'5", okay? So he can get up in the two-point stance, and he can play edge rusher. So this guy's got a lot of versatility with him. He also recorded nine sacks and 31 hurries last season in college. Nine sacks for a college guy, that's pretty good, okay? Number 14, New England. I originally had them taking an offensive tackle, Broderick Jones. However, I'm changing that to offensive tackle, Paris Johnson, Jr., I just think he fits their mold a little bit better. He's out of Ohio State. He's 6'6". He's 313 pounds. Exceptionally long arms. He's got 36 and 1 8 inch arms. He uses them well in pass protection, but he's also very good at completing his initial blocks on double teams and getting to the second level and getting after a linebacker. Very important for an offensive lineman, especially in the NFL. At number 15, the Green Bay Packers, I had, I had them originally taking tight end Dalton Kincaid. However, I'm going to change that after watching some film and reading about some particulars between him and another tight end. I'm going to pick another tight end for Green Bay. That would be Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame. He's 6'4", 249. The reason I'm picking him for, for Green Bay is with the Packers moving to Jordan Love at quarterback, I think they should go with the tight end who's not only a good receiver, which Kincaid obviously is, 
but also the better inline blocker, which Michael Mayer actually is. So I'm going to make that change there, and I'm going to give them Michael Mayer instead. At number 16, the Washington Commanders. I have them sticking with cornerback Christian Gonzalez. And I'm going to tell you right now, th this is the thing about doing mock draft 1.0, 2.0, 3.0. This is why Mel Kuyper and these guys do a bunch of them over the course of time. You start recognizing talent as you do more studying, more reading, and look at more tape. I didn't realize at first what a great defensive back draft this is. There's DBs all over the place. They're all fast. A lot of them are really tall. These guys all look really, really good. So you're going to hear a lot of cornerback names coming out here. But I got them taking Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon. He's 6'1", 197, runs a 4'3", 40, so he can blaze. He's got great ball skills. And he's really good in man-to-man -man coverage. Ben, I'm glad you mentioned that because I remember just watching the combine and it kind of struck me with some of the times that were coming in. It was four, three areas and then DB here, DB there. It was a lot of DB. I didn't quite put it all together like right. that. But when you just summarize it, I'm like, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. That's exactly what's going on. Here's another one. At number 17, the Pittsburgh Steelers. No way they can let Joey Porter Jr. get by. It's impossible. Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State. 6'2", 198, really good size for a corner. Ran a 4'4", 640. Also, he's got 34-inch arms, which are pretty long for DB. Exceptional height, length, and speed. And his father played for the Steelers and won a Super Bowl ring with the Steelers. There's no way they let Joey Porter Jr. get by them. At number 18, originally, I had Detroit taking safety Brian Branch. But as I stated earlier, I think the Eagles are going to take him up at number 10. So they will take cornerback Devin Witherspoon. Again, Detroit has to go heavy on defense. That was their weakness. And it was a big weakness. And you could see that week after week when we did our, uh, our ratings. So they've got to fix that. So I got Devin Witherspoon here. He's out of Illinois, 5'11", 181. He had an outstanding season last year. He was targeted. Here's some numbers, some, some numbers you don't hear all the time. He was targeted 63 times, and he only allowed 22 catches. That's like basically on one-on-one -on -one in, in his area. He had three picks, and he had 14 pass breakups. So this guy was all over the field, put out some great tape, very exciting player. At number 19, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they need help on offense. Their offensive line has been decimated with free agency and injuries. I have them taking offensive tackle Anton Harrison out of Oklahoma, 6'4", 315, a physical specimen, superior pass protector. Good player for them. Number 20, Seattle Seahawks get the pick again. They also need defense more than offense. Here's another great corner right here. Deontay Banks, he's out of Maryland, six feet tall, 197. These guys are all right around the same size. Outstanding athlete, ran a blazing 4-3-5 in the 40 at the combine. Very speedy, very explosive. His tape shows he has no trouble in man-to-man -man coverage. This guy sticks to people like glue. At number 21, we have the L.A. Chargers. I think they're going to select edge rusher Will McDonald IV. He's 6'3", 
He's out of uh, out of Iowa State. Uh, this is the guy I told you about uh, that had the three batted down passes. Excuse me, last season. That's a rare stat. Also, I didn't even know they kept that stat, but obviously they do. And when I looked at a lot of other edge rushers and deep tackles, they had zeros sitting beside that stat. This guy had three. He's a straight up speed rusher, though. So I think he'll fit well there. Joey Bosa's getting up in age a little bit. He's getting kind of beat up. And uh, who's their other guy? Khalil Mack, right? He's been around for a little while. This guy's a straight speed rusher, 6'3", 239. He's not big, but he gets the job done with his speed. Number 22 pick goes to the Baltimore Ravens. Ugh, Baltimore Ravens. They're hard to talk about with this whole Lamar thing going on. But regardless of who the quarterback ends up being there, they need receivers. I have them taking Jackson, Smith, and Jigbo, the Ohio State wide receiver that played on the other side of Marvin Harrison Jr., who is not going to come out until next year. But this kid is really nice. Six feet tall, 196, probably the smoothest route runner in this class. He seems to be uncoverable man-to-man. -man. There's, there's nobody he can't create separation against. He plays just as well on the slot as he does on the outside also. So he's got a lot of versatility there. At number 23, the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, originally had them taking a wide receiver, Zay Flowers, out of Boston College. But I think I found a better fit for them. Remember, they have Justin Jefferson. So I'd like to have them get wide receiver Cedric Tillman out of Tennessee. This guy's 6'3", he's 213 pounds. He's the prototypical possession receiver. Remember, they let Thielen go. He was their uh, possession guy. This guy is younger, gonna be cheaper, a little bit bigger, okay? And has the same skills as far as possession receiver is concerned. He's got 33-inch arms, 10-inch hands, and he bullies DBs on 50-50 balls. He'd be a perfect fit for Minnesota. At number 24, the Jacksonville Jaguars select cornerback Emmanuel Forbes, Mississippi State. I talked about him last week. This is the guy that I told you is really, really skinny, but really, really fast. He runs a 4.35 in the 40, very explosive. And his ball skills can't be denied. I forget, I didn't put down how many interceptions he had, but the kid's a ball hawk, has a lot of knockdown balls. Now, number 25, we get to my beloved New York Giants. Again, we got Daniel Jones. We've committed to Daniel Jones. Now we have to get him weapons. I think this guy will be perfect. Jalen Hyatt, wide receiver out of Tennessee. Six feet, 176, runs a 4440 has a 40-inch vertical jump. He's the best deep threat in this receiver class. Not necessarily flat out the fastest, but this guy can change gears while he's running his pass routes, man. You got to look at this guy on YouTube, man. This guy's tough. He scored 15 touchdowns last season in college. 15 touchdowns. That's, that's a lot of touchdowns for, for a college kid. Number 26, the Dallas Cowboys. Hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't want to do this one, but I kind of had to because it just makes too much sense. Nobody wants to take a running back early in the draft, but the Cowboys 
should take Bijan Robinson out of Texas. 5'11", 215. Now, the Cowboys seem to be comfortable with phasing Zeke out for Tony Pollard. But then Pollard broke his leg late in the season. Now you got to wonder about Pollard. Maybe he's, he is better as a one-two punch than as a bell cow. So you bring in Robinson. He's strong. He's fast. He's sturdy. Not to mention he's very shifty when he has the ball, and he's got good hands, and he can catch the ball out of the backfield. I think that's a perfect fit for the Dallas Cowboys. And Dak depends on a good running game to be able to make that offense move. I'm glad you mentioned that about Pollard because it was something I thought about when you're talking about making him a bell cow, you know. Yeah. I don't think he had that frame. You know, he was, you know, as a one-two punch, like you said, he was very effective, but you you slam him up the middle too many times, he's not going to be there. Bijan is built for that. He's ready to go with that, and he'd be cheap coming in yep. on a rookie on a rookie contract. So yep. Um their offense seemed to run pretty well last year with Zeke and him sharing time. I know Cowboy fans probably didn't like it because they're getting a little tired of Zeke, but it worked out well for them actually. Remember so, I said they should make Zeke a fullback. <laughs> yeah, well he's good at pass protection, but I don't think he's that good at opening holes. Yeah, well, that's he, he wasn't good at pass protection on that stupid play that they – But that's because it was a stupid play and they put him in center. We Come on, man. Don't tarnish this, the man's name now. That ain't right. <laughs> Zeke is a, is, a, is a premier pass protector as a running back. Okay. <laughs> Look, no, it, I'm serious. I'm not arguing with you. Okay. I still think it's funny. <laughs> well, that last play was funny. It was. Yeah, they shouldn't have done that to him. That wasn't right. But anyway, the number 27 pick goes to the Buffalo Bills. I originally had them taking an offensive tackle named Steve Avila out of TCU, but I found a better fit for them. Offensive tackle Darnell Wright out of Tennessee. First of all, he's bigger, 6'5", 333. He's strong. He's quick in getting into his blocks, and he's an outstanding drive blocker in the run game. Buffalo needs that. They also need a running back, too, but uh, they just picked somebody up in free agency. Who the heck was it, too? Oh, that slipped my mind. But they did get somebody, but I think they'll get somebody else. Anyway, they need to improve their run game. This guy will fit right in. At number 28, we're almost done, the Cincinnati Bengals. I had them originally taking tight end Michael Mayer, but I shifted my focus and gave him to the Green Bay Packers. Therefore... The Cincinnati Bengals will take tight end Dalton Kincaid, the more superior uh, route runner and pass catcher as far as tight ends go. He's probably, as far as running routes and catching the ball, I would say Dalton Kincaid's probably the best tight end in the class. And there's a couple of good ones. He's 6'3", 246. He creates separation, gets open exceptionally well for a guy his size. So safeties and linebackers are going to have to be where he's going to be a tough guy to cover at number 29 the new orleans saints i originally had them taking a d-tackle Maisie smith out of michigan however this will be the first and the only linebacker to go in the first round i'm going to give the new orleans saints who lost some linebackers in free agency trenton simpson a linebacker out of clemson he's 6'2 he's 235 this guy is a hidden Machine ran a 44340 
And although this isn't a great class for linebackers, he is undoubtedly, at least in my mind, the best linebacker in this draft. Uh, here's a comparison for you. Another crazy comparison. His teammate, Miles Murphy, is a 6'5", 258-pound edge rusher. And I think I might have made a mistake there. I actually think he's 268. But either way, at the combine, that guy benched 225 an amazing 25 times. Simpson did the same thing at 6'2", really? Yes. Two inches, three inches shorter and about 30 pounds lighter. And he put it up the same 25 times. Interesting. Okay. Number 30, the Philadelphia Eagles. Look for more help on their D-line that's starting to age a little bit. I have them taking edge rusher, the guy I just mentioned, Miles Murphy out of Clemson. Uh, oh, yeah, and here I did make the – in my notes, I did make uh, the difference in his, in his weight. He is 6'5", 268, which is really great size. He's very versatile. Plays the run and the pass very well. He should fit right in there as an understudy for either Fletcher Cox or for Brandon Graham. And at number 31, the last pick in the first round, I'm going to stick with the guy I originally gave the Kansas City Chiefs. That's offensive tackle, DeWand Jones out of Ohio State. Mm -hmm. I watched more tape of this guy just last night. This dude is scary looking, Barry. He's 6'8". 374. And that's before breakfast. He has a move they call a snatch and trap, where if he gets his hands on the edge rusher, he yanks them down and just pins them to the ground. Monster. Got extremely long arms, gonna be very hard to get around. That's it. Mock draft 2.0. My oh my oh my. Um, I did go back, Ben, because we asked the question about Mr. Peter Skoransky. Mm. He is the grandson of Bob Skoransky, who won five NFL championships as a tackle for the Green, for the Bay, Green Bay Packers. <laughs> right? It can't. It, it just yeah. It finally clicked in. Eh? Yeah, it finally clicked. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. I know I heard that somewhere, man. That is that bloodlines. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's interesting uh, when you talk about it that way. Well, that those were some interesting adjustments. Um, I know there was some points when you were going along, and I was kind of tracking you pretty closely. Like when you would talk about the Vikings, and you like a, a good possession receiver, and I'm like, yeah, Thielen was, you know, he was the guy that you could depend on you know, on third right. down. So you always want to have one of those guys, um, at least on the other side, because you got one on one side, you know. Mm -hmm. But long story short, very good rundown for your version 2.0. Yep. I just wanted the picks to make sense, you know. If I'm right, I'm right. If I'm not right, oh, well. But those picks make sense to me. All right. Next up, we talked a little bit about um, the two uh, biggest situations out there in the NFL relative to contracts that have not been settled uh, for two of the top players out there, Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers. 
Although Aaron is what? Twice as old <laughs> as Lamar Jackson. Aaron Rodgers, I believe, is 40 years old. Lamar Jackson should be about 26 years old. Okay. So he's got a number of years on him. Um, and what I did on some of these numbers, Ben, uh, I actually averaged just the last three years, you know, because it's about what have you done for me lately. And I was just going to go with 2022, uh, but considering that Lamar was injured for a good portion of, or for a portion of that, uh, I decided to um, 2020, yeah, 2022, 2023. Yeah, he played uh, like 10 yeah. games, I think. Something like that, yeah. yeah. So I just wanted to, you know, so I figured I'd look at the last three years. That's cool. And I wanted to look at it in two different ways. So this is my wonderful work, Ben. I got like, I'm sitting around calculating numbers and taking a look at numbers. But I wanted to look at Lamar Jackson versus Aaron Rodgers on two different levels. One, from the Madden level. For, for all our Madden guys out there, it's just interesting to see how Madden has these guys rated in different areas. It's not all the areas. These are areas that I mainly think of, of as pertinent to being a, a, a quarterback. Okay. And then below that, we have the pro football focus ratings, which they, they come at the, 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 the uh, player from more of you know the performance level and the actual games, as opposed to Madden, which is looking at their individual features and things of that nature. So let's first off start out OVR, overall rating. And that's the first surprise here, that they have 91 rating for Lamar and an 86 rating for Aaron Rodgers. Why is that a surprise? Because <clears throat> I just think of Aaron Rodgers as being a better quarterback, so I would think his overall rating would be higher in my mind. Um but let's continue to go down. So acceleration, ACC, obviously goes in Lamar Jackson's favor at 96 versus a 76 for Aaron Rodgers. So we know here's the answer to my question right there. <laughs> That's a good part of it right there. Strength, um, Aaron, um, Lamar comes out at 63, Aaron at 59. Agility, 95 versus Aaron's 81. Awareness, this is the surprise for me. Oh, that's a surprise to me. Yeah, to 85 for Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, I, I'm not sure where that comes from, except for, I keep thinking in the back of my mind that you, he has to have a high level of awareness to be able to run those options. You kind of really got to know what's going on. But, okay, that could be an anomaly. Uh, carry, which has to do with, you know, not fumbling and things of that nature when you're running the ball. He's a 70, Aaron's a 64. So here you got uh, throwing power, where they're pretty much even, 94 versus 93. So both of them can put that ball uh, deep down field. Now, I wouldn't normally have included this, except that you mentioned so many times about the combine. When these guys were jumping 40 inches, you were saying how much of an athlete they were. So I included it here, and and, and uh, Lamar came in at 91. Aaron came in at 76, you know, not bad. And then you have the juke move. So we know Lamar got the juke move. <laughs> right. Versus Aaron's 53. So Aaron's not really juking on anybody. Even though it's funny, they keep showing this highlight of Aaron um, rolling out to the wide side, and he kind of takes a guy and goes into the end zone. <laughs> so there's one guy who was victimized. Um, so you have uh, 
your your, th your throwing power. Um, and I want to jump down to your your short accuracy, okay? Um, your medium accuracy and your deep accuracy, because those are really the pertinent ones. Um, and I believe TUP is play act. That's not, uh, is that play action? Yeah, I believe that's play action, actually. So they're about the same. Actually, Aaron's a little bit better at 90 versus 89. But short accuracy. Play action? Yeah. No, I don't think that's play action. Yeah, okay. Uh, Lamar is a wizard. Lamar is a wizard with the ball in well, play so action. Is, I'm not, so is Aaron. Aaron's good, but Lamar is scary good. Okay, well, you know, this is this that's what I think that that is, but I'll double check on that. Um but short accuracy SAC, Lamar is coming in at 89, Aaron at 92. Medium accuracy, Lamar is coming in at 86, Aaron at 89, and deep accuracy, Lamar is coming in at 84, Aaron at 86. So they're pretty close. Yeah, those numbers make sense. Yeah, in terms of accuracy. And then the ability to throw on the run. Uh, are you in 95 for Lamar and 90 for Aaron? So it's interesting just to see um, the physical traits and skills as they have them uh, enumerated on the Madden game. Um, now, that's those individual traits. But in terms of their play, that's where the pro football focus uses their ratings. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's three ratings here that I was that I was most interested in. Passing, running, and the overall rating. And then I have the TD to interception with the percentage below it. So when you're looking at the pro football focus, Aaron's rated 85.8 to Lamar's 71.7. As far as being a passer. As far as being a passer, yes. Okay. As far as being a runner, Aaron's rated 75.9 and Lamar's 82.6. The overall rating then puts Lamar at a 79 and it puts Aaron at an 87.2. So that's based on the last three years of ratings from Pro Football Focus. These are averages for the last three years. So, okay. Uh, and like I said, if this, if they're looking at contracts, and you're looking at paying Aaron almost 60. If you're if pro football focus is saying he's that much, you know, better overall, I wonder if there would be a relative adjustment in that payout in that contract based on that. So I don't know how much they pay attention to that. We'll have to talk a little bit about that. But over those three years, Lamar had 57 touchdowns and 19 interceptions for 33.33% touchdown to interception radio. And we said one to three wasn't bad, or three to one rather, wasn't bad. So right. that's not bad. However, Aaron had 111 touchdowns and 21 interceptions. He's coming in at 18.92%, which is better, better, better. <laughs> so 
Yeah, a lot more opportunities too. The number had to do with design runs. And Lamar was like in the hundreds and hundreds of design runs. And of course, Aaron was maybe a few. <laughs> you know what I mean? A handful. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, there, it's been reported that Lamar runs on 30 plus percent of his plays. And how much of that is design runs? You know, it, it, when I looked at the number, it, it just kind of blew me away um, that 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 many design runs. And it made me it made me think, could they be looking at Lamar as a systems quarterback a little bit? You know, if he's in this system, he's OK. But if you take him out of that system, there's a question mark. So uh, that sounds more like something that Madden would take into consideration rather than pro football focus. Their stuff is based. They track every player, every play. So they're going to base their ratings on exactly what you did. Well, that was the numbers. They, they when it, um, I was looking at, I'm trying to get back to where it was that I saw this. Um, but you know where it might have been? Let me see if I can get there real quick. Spot track. It might have been on spot track. Um, uh, I usually look at uh over the cap and spot track when I'm tracking money and things of that nature. Mm. And it, it was just a, a a large number. But long story short, we know that you know Lamar is way, way more probable to run <laughs> sure. Aaron absolutely and uh and it was funny to hear um the owner was it the owner of the uh falcons you know question the ability of lamar to stay healthy you know on that type of you know but he, he practically he practically used my old line ben i know a lot of good young running quarterbacks i don't know a lot of good old running what back so <laughs> he might he might have been headed in that direction <laughs> in terms of using my line but anyway that's the rundown on these two when you look at them from a Madden perspective and then when you look at them from a performance perspective relative to pro football focus and uh obviously Lamar has the physical attributes in his favor uh, we do question that awareness rating, however. and uh, But the performance over the last three years, even though Aaron ha didn't have a great year last year, um, still well above what Lamar has been able to do. Yeah, it, was, it was a down year to his normal standards. <laughs> right. So so if, if you're already up here and then you end up here, you know, people say, oh, he had a down year. Well, he did according to where he normally is, he's still above, you know, three quarters of the guys out there. Everything is relative, isn't it? Right. Everything is relative. All right. As we close out uh, our video, we always go into our Facebook page and look for some current events. And there were some things that were really going on here. So let's take a quick look. Look at that face, Benny. 
He'll be back. Huh? <laughs> I said he'll be back. He'll be back on the field. Remember when he retired and we talked about the TV job? Yeah. The TV job doesn't go into effect for a while. I right believe here. he's retired when I see him with a suit and tie on in front of a camera. With a microphone in his hand, eh? With a microphone in his hand. All That's right. That's when I believe it. Well, for right now, he's now become a part owner of the WNBA's Las Vegas Aces. He made a good pick. It's a great like team. The, you like the Aces? Absolutely. That's my grandson's name, Ace. I tried to get him to say, I can say Ace. He goes, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you got half of it. <laughs> so congratulations to Tom Brady. That's pretty cool. Really supporting the uh, WNBA and bringing some additional notoriety and focus to it. So that's a good thing right there. All right. Benny. The Houston Roughnecks played the, the, the D.C. Defenders. I watched it. Did you get a chance? I just watched it a little bit because I was looking at the uh, the women's uh, NCAA tournament. Well, this was interesting because you know the the Roughnecks were like five and one, and Defenders like six and zero. They were undefeated coming into right. it. Right. And we 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 kind of talked it up a little bit last week. You know, looking forward to it, and coming out the block. The Roughnecks took control, man. I was starting to wonder what's what's going on here with the defenders. And then, you know, they have the two quarterback systems. Ta'amu, I believe his name is, is the one quarterback. Yes. And then they have the other guy who's more the running quarterback. Right. He didn't play much. They put him right. in for like a, a series or so, but they stuck with Ta'amu for the most part through that. And uh, the defense kind of picked it up after a while. And the next thing you know, the Roughnecks were getting roughed up. <laughs> so it was a pretty good game. I truly enjoyed it. Some good football, some good hits, good catches, good runs. And if you go to our comment section, I do have the uh, link for the video for the highlights. So if you want to take, take a look at the highlights for the game, feel free to go there. Um, you mentioned Bijan Robinson potentially mm -hmm. going to the Cowboys. Right. Well, he's following the PGA tour. There's this is from off of Twitter, so we don't have really a picture of it, but they got a picture of him there standing and talking to some of the top golfers in the world. So BJ's got yeah. some very interest going on there. Cool. Yeah, I know it's that's pretty cool. And uh you remember Devin Still and his daughter who had cancer? Yes. So he's still he's still in the love light. Um, 1.3 million views and 100,000 likes on this post that he had. It says, sometimes you have to look back at your life to remember just how far you have come. So right. So how old is here. she now? Huh? How old is she now? Well, it says she's eight years cancer-free. Okay. It was five or six, at I believe, at the point where he was. I think so, yeah. So if that's her picture right there with her braids and all of that. Uh, She's a teenager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's cool. a young lady now. She's a young lady. That's great. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. So, 
Congratulations to Leah and Devin still. Um, that guy, he shut down his career for his daughter. The NFL is trying to open the money floodgates. Now, what happened was, uh, this is a Twitter uh, post that came up. And again, a lot of times when I go to share Twitter, uh, it doesn't have a good preview link. So it makes you actually have to go there. But a group of NFL owners is pushing to allow private equity firms and institutional investors to buy stakes in clubs. Does that mean they're going to wear logos on their jerseys? Well, private equity firms and institutional investors, I don't know if they're always going to be uh, companies that are trying to, it's not like uh, Procter & Gamble. If you're an institutional investor, you might be a firm who invests other people's money, you know? Okay. And so you're not necessarily, you know, um, out in front. You might be okay. more, more in the background. Private equity firms, again, that's what they're doing. They, they own equity in a number of different companies and uh they'll buy and sell those companies um legal shield which which i'm associated with was uh, a a publicly traded company on the new york stock exchange it was bought out by i believe ocean uh, ocean partners or something like that mid-ocean partners that's what it was mid-ocean partners and you never hear anything about mid-ocean partners you know what i mean right Right. So, but they buy companies the way people buy real estate. You know, you buy them, you fix it up, and then you put them back on the yeah. market at some point. Right. And for them, that means, you know, taking them back public. But I don't, you know, they might have had that option with this. But I just thought it was very interesting uh, to see that, you know, because right now the only team that allows any type of public investment is the Packers. Right. So this would be something that... um all of the teams would be opening themselves up to as far as that's concerned. Okay. So uh, I just thought that that was a, a neat situation and something that we need to follow because again, think about it. We were talking about what the cap would be with the additional advertising money. And of course they're trying to expand into uh, internationally which is going to be even that much more advertising money. But, you know, if you're, if your team's worth, let's say a billion, you know, and now you've got institutional investors that want to put money in it, they might actually bid up the price. Right. You know? Or at the very least, that's an influx of cash and, and money. And you might be able to take the cap to a whole nother level, you know, so we'll just have to follow that. But I thought that was an interesting situation. Well, we're talking about institutional money. Magic Johnson and Josh Harris group, apparently Josh Harris is a billionaire. So you got a millionaire partnering with a billionaire. Or is Magic a billionaire now? I don't know if Magic's crossed the billion. Uh, uh, I know uh, LeBron has crossed the billion threshold. Um, but they're placing bids on the Washington Commanders. So they're going to try to get on, on that, man. I think that would be an interesting ownership group right there, you know? And then the question came up, if this ownership group took took over before 
say all of the free agent options were closed, would all of a sudden Lamar Jackson be back on the potential list for the Washington Commanders? That would be an interesting. The different ownership group might have some different opinions. They might not be so opposed to those uh, guaranteed contracts that sure. Lamar wants and all the other owners disdain as uh, uh, this. So you were talking about the article that I poked up with the uh, comparisons here. Right. <laughs> they compared C.J. Stroud to um, Gino <laughs> Smith in the comparison. And I'm just like having a real hard time <laughs> with that comparison. So for the people who are watching, right. take a look at this uh, article. And if you have any questions about some of these comparisons, I'd love to see your comments uh, on this. Because I, I'm like, C.J. Stroud compared to, you know, um, I keep what? to say Lamar. <laughs> if, if, if C.J. Stroud gets drafted number one overall and puts up the same stats that Geno put up last year, That'd be tremendous. You couldn't be mad at him because Gino had a great year. That's right. You couldn't be mad. So, so, so what? Why? Why would that be not a good comparison? The only thing they can compare is tangibles. You can't compare intangibles. You can't compare that Gino wasn't uh, a ass white when he first came in the league. You can't <laughs> compare that that Gino got on people's nerves and one of his teammates punched him in the face when he was young. You can't compare those things. Um, Nor should that diminish. I'm so glad you say that because those are probably my own personal biases that are still in there. That I took the guy forever to show what he could really do. So, but he did show what he could do on a team that really was deficient. He can do it now. He might not have been able to do it because his head might have been too wired up weird back in the day. But now that he's straight, you know. And he's he's matured, you know. So, it, and if there's any uh, comparison and maturity to the current Geno and the, the current C.J. Stroud, that would be big time uh, uh, asset for C.J. Stroud. Um, so, but it's just, you know, I don't know. I don't know who I expected them to compare him to. All right, Benny, we're going to finish up with your meme here. <laughs> I thought this was hilarious. Now, this is comedy. <laughs> how to build the worst quarterback oh my god and, and you know they had when i saw they had my man kirk cousins on here you know i, I automatically <laughs> liked it <laughs> i'm like kirk cousins when it's not 1 p.m i didn't really say anything bad about him being a quarterback it's just he can only play good at 1 p.m that's crazy. It's his record. I mean, it's an actual record. I, you, you can't know? argue That's with it. That's what's hilarious. That's what is hilarious. In fact, I watched Good Morning Football this morning, and whichever one of them recordings it is, he sounded like me talking to you about Kirk Cousins. <laughs> he was like, Kirk Cousins is a great quarterback. He's got great numbers. He's got this. He's got that. It's not his fault. That, 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 that. He's, he was, like, really praising him. And saying, you know, sure, there's guys. Sure, you got Mahomes. You got these guys. And stuff, but you can't really crap on Kirk Cousins and his ability and his numbers. It just seems like 
when it's big time and it's really time to show, he don't come through. That doesn't make him crap. It just makes him unreliable. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But we all know that my stat is not an official stat. My brain farts is not an official stat. And that's what you mean when you say you don't come through. That's when they happen. I've seen it. And I was like, oh, my goodness. You know, but long story short, his stats were great last year. He had a great year. Joe Burrow's hands, they got the little teeny tiny hands. <laughs> <laughs> Zach Wilson's leadership. <laughs> Kyler Murray's focus. <laughs> you know, they showed Trey Lance. Trey Lance has played like four games. He, he played like two games that he started, and then he got hurt. Then the next year he's played two games, and he got hurt again. So he's played like four games. Right. And Trey Lance has a great rookie contract because Trey Lance has made like well over $10 million already on a rookie contract. So, uh, yeah, they traded way up to get him. They gave up, they gave up picks. They gave up number one picks for they him. Gave up multiple mu number one picks. Actually. Oh, God. Jameis Williams' appetite. And what's Jameis Williams eating? W's. What, no. Crab legs. <laughs> Crab leg. Oh, his fingers? Yeah, remember they used to do Crab. the W thing? Yeah. <laughs> Eating the W. <laughs> what did you think about the bottom one to the right there? Daniel Jones' balance. That's just the, on that one play. <laughs> the guy had one play where he had to break away run and tripped over Blade of Grass. They'll never live that one down. Never. They'll never live that one down. That, that's funny. Never. That is funny. Never, ever, ever will he live that down. He never live that down. There. You know, in the middle of his, and especially with him now being such a dual threat quarterback and running as much as he's running. Yeah. I can see his, I can see his um, Hall of Fame highlights, you know, taking off here and taking off there. And then they just throw that one in there. Just <laughs> <laughs> have him he actually has pretty good balance. That's just. <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? You know do? something, Ben? But you and I know as guys who played running back, what that's like when your leg just seems to give out under you when you're running. And it I happens. always re remember um, um, for the Niners, um, Steve, um, come on, help me, Steve Young. Yeah. One right. touchdown. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, he was able to Luckily, keep Luckily, he... He was close enough to the end zone to stumble in. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're right. There was nobody near him, and he just he just was. And again, him being a running back early on in his career probably helped him at that moment because, like I said, we've all been there. Where it's yeah. like the legs just seem like they're giving out on you, you know? Yeah. And you're just going down, and there's nobody around you. Nobody hits you, and that's yep. when they blame it on the blade of grass. <laughs> so. Turf monster. The turf monster got you. Well, that was fun, Ben. I don't know if it's as much fun as that drink you just had there. What What are you drinking uh, again now? Is that that I'm same done. Uncle Nearest, eighteen eighty four. Okay, okay. All right. Tennessee whiskey. <laughs> Tennessee whiskey. Smooth, smooth, smooth. <laughs> ben, that's all I got. What you got? Well. 
I noticed that you put up a question about the women's final four, which is a subject near and dear to my heart. Uh, so obviously, uh, LSU defeated Miami, Iowa defeated Louisville, South Carolina defeated Maryland, and Virginia Tech defeated Ohio State. So you have a final four of LSU will have to play Virginia Tech. In my one bracket that I attempted to make for the women's uh, tournament, I had South Carolina and LSU meeting in the final. So I'm still alive there. However, I watched Virginia Tech last night. They're pretty good. They're pretty good. And they got a girl, her last name is Amore or Amore or something like that. Yeah. He's a banger from three-point line. Is she the one? There was some video out with her staring down this sister. Who said The sister said something to her. And she just, like, gave her the look, like. <laughs> but then on the other hand. The handshake line? Yeah. No, nah, that's that's somebody else. That was somebody else. But then, okay, the LSU girl. This girl's like Miss, Miss Wonderful. She's like Stephen Curry. Of, of women's basketball. No, 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 no. Let me, let right, me take me out here. Is. The Steph Curry of women's basketball is Caitlin Clark. She plays for Iowa. Iowa, that's right. The girl you're talking about played for Louisville. They're out. They got beat. Okay. They had they had just defeated another team, and a girl said something to her, and it's the cute little white girl with long pigtails, and she was like, "What?" <laughs> She was ready to rumble, yo. And the funny thing is, she was like, yeah, whatever, and kept going. But her teammates behind her all got around the girl like, say what? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, they had her back. They had her back. Yeah, but they're out. So I'm taking South Carolina all the way, obviously. Dawn Staley is a friend of our families. Uh, my wife's family and her family grew up in the same project right across the walkway from each other. Their front doors faced each other. I met Dawn when she was really little. Uh, I could probably figure out how old she was. If I knew how old she was now, I was 20 years old when I met her. So she was like a little little kid, you know? And um, Teresa used to babysit her and her, and her sister and her brothers uh, when her parents went out. So, we're really rooting for her and uh, some real cool stuff about Dawn. I know we, I know we, we do football, man, but this is, I got it. So if you don't, if you don't know, Carolyn Peck is a black female head coach of a college women's college team was, she won a national championship with Purdue back in 99. She now does television. Okay, she's a commentator. Uh, while she, after she became a commentator, she was watching a lot of games and commentating a lot of games, and she kind of was drawn to South Carolina. She did a lot of their games, and she was drawn to Dawn. And one day she pulled Dawn to the side and said, when we won the championship in 99, we cut down the nets. I cut off a piece of the net, and I want you to have it. And when you win a national championship, I want you to give it back to me and give a piece of your net to another black female coach. 
That is like the coolest story ever. Yes, yes. And Dawn said she carried that thing in her wallet until 2017 when they won. And she gave her her piece back, but then she didn't know who to give hers to. So she cut little six inch pieces off the net and sent it to every black female women's basketball coach in the country. Wow. They all got a piece. That's great. Every one of them. I thought that was tremendous, man. That I was... thought that was great. Now, the last thing I want to say before I'm ready to get out of here is, guess what? There are a number of NFL players that do not have agents. So let's get off this agent thing, all right? I'm not saying he shouldn't have an agent. I'm not saying he should have an agent. I'm not saying an agent could or could not be doing him better in his situation that he's in. Could go either way. All I'm saying is he is not alone. There are double-digit players in the NFL as we speak who do not have agents. I will give you three of them. Jacoby Brissett, DeAndre Hopkins, and Bobby Wagner, who just negotiated his own way back to Seattle. I'm, I'm just I, saying. It's funny that you say that because I just did some research. I didn't add it to the show, but I do have a list, and it's about 15 players yep. who, who uh, acted as their own agents. Yep. It was interesting um, to see one report that said Lamar not only refuses to have an agent, but he refuses to even talk to the other guys who've been through the experience of negotiating their own contract without an agent. Which right. to me, that don't make a lot of sense either. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me either. The other name that came up, interestingly enough, was Larry Tunsil. Yes, who has done very well for himself. He's the highest paid offensive lineman. Yeah, yeah. And, and especially after coming out of college and having that whole thing, what happened to him with the, with the gas mask? Gas mask. That was some good weed he was smoking. <laughs> he was. He, that was that brainy weed. <laughs> well, you know, he came out of that some situation. of that. <laughs> he came out of that situation, and uh, he's done well for himself. So whatever money he lost, he's he's more than made up. More than made it up, sure. More yeah. than made up for that money. So here's the crazy thing, though: none of those guys have found themselves in the position that Lamar's in right now. Not saying it was easy for them to do what they did. But I'm saying he's in a in a he's in a whole different situation from a normal contract negotiation. Yeah. And the fact that he won't take advice or even listen to anything that anybody has to say to him kind of baffles me. I I, I don't think that's I don't know. I don't even know what to say about it. I really don't. Well, I only say this. I remember somebody one time saying, "You you can't live long enough to make all the mistakes, so you need to learn from some other people's mistakes." Yeah, and and and, and you know um, the collective wisdom that is out there. Um, and again, I stick to my suggestion: go get those young ladies that Jalen Hurts got. You know, break somebody off a little bit of money. You know, quit trying to hoard all of it. You know, I keep thinking about the contract that Mahomes has and how complicated 
putting together a 10 year deal is, you know, and when you're trying that to benefited him and the team and the team and, and, if and the team may play, reward him by renegotiating that contract before it's up. Right. They renegotiated the it already. Yes. And, and part of it, the, the setup was giving them that flexibility and they appreciated that. Right. Um, but again, does anybody want to give Lamar a 10 year contract? No. Well, that's would give that's, anybody a 10 year contract. I wouldn't have gave Mahomes a 10 year contract. <laughs> but if you're going to give out long term contracts, uh, you want somebody that you think is going to be there long term. And I, that's a question when it comes to Lamar. Well, let me let me ask you a quick question before we go. What what length of contract would you think Lamar would be appropriate for Lamar? Four or five years. Okay. All right. If I'm talking long term, long term to me, generally speaking, is four years in the NFL. For Lamar, I definitely wouldn't go past five. I wouldn't go past five. And I'm my thinking is, and I believe me, I'm nowhere near uh, any kind of contract negotiator, but I'm thinking I'm a, I'm I'm gonna do like the fifth year option type thing. I might guarantee the first four, but not the fifth one. And when we get to that point, then I have the option to pick it up or say, nah, something along those lines. He has to understand that the, the, the position he plays and the way that he plays, he has to understand teams are going to have reservations. They have to. <laughs> well, I mean, if if he doesn't understand it after what the teams have said, <laughs> and he's fighting that, then then you know he's going to have a hard time. And somewhere in the back of my mind, I keep thinking, could Lamar Jackson actually not play football for a year or two? At you least know? one. I can see it. I'm I'm getting that feeling. You know, I'm getting that feeling because of, you know, he's just not, you know, uh, and you said it's, you, again, you said it wasn't the money, it's his mindset. So if anything can hold him back, hold you back, it's it's stinking thinking. That's know? true. So. Um, That's true. You know, and I'm like, give give them young ladies some, some of that money, man. You know, give them sisters some money, you know, and let them help you out a, a little bit. And you can focus on football and focus on you know, they they might have told him what I think, uh, what I would tell him as his as his um, agent. Like, go put some tape together. You work in the pocket. You know, he's already proven he can do that. I don't I, know why. People I don't think, think it's. I don't run. think it's totally believed yet. You might think he's proven it. Just look I, it up right now. He doesn't have to put no new tape. The tape is there already. Look at his MVP season. You think the teams in the NFL all believe he he's a good pocket quarterback? A good pocket quarterback. Right. That's what I'm or saying. Player or a player who can play from the pocket if necessary. A player who can play effectively from the pocket. Yes. You think all 32 yes. teams think he can? Yes, they know he can. Okay. They seen it. They got eyes like we got. You seen it? Okay. You don't believe it. I don't believe you it. Go back and look. And I don't think they believe it. I don't think if you put him in a West Coast system that he'd be effective. Why would you put him in a West Coast system? It's a pocket system. Why would you put him in a West Coast system 
when you got teams out here that got other quarterbacks and read option systems and RPO systems. No, understand what I'm saying, okay? I'm not saying that that you – Who cares? The teams who run those systems. Screw them teams. Well, There's they, plenty of other teams. You act like the Ravens are the only team that uses a running quarterback. No, I'm saying look at the demand for his for his for him. It ain't there. It's not because of the system he runs. It's not because of that. I believe it's, it's not because of that. It's because of the position that the Ravens have put him in. Okay. All right. Well, in that case, as usual, ladies and germs, we end up with a great disagreement. That's what makes Ben and Barry on football so much fun. And why, how long has it been now? 40 plus years? Yes, sir. We've been banging heads on football, pros and cons, and disagreeing and agreeing and going with it. All right, Benny, you got the last word. I agree with Cam Newton. There's not 32 quarterbacks out there better than him. Peace. <laughs>